you know, like I'm in the industry. I don't really meet people that went to Adventist universities often. <laughs> um, like maybe like a couple I've run into. Um, and then, um, but like, it doesn't mean I know any less than anybody else. A lot of my coworkers went to like Harvard or John Hopkins or like Stanford or whatever. It doesn't matter. If you know movies, you know movies. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 10th episode of the Unofficial Lost Era Film Podcast. I'm joined by Kristen and Daniel Lario. Say hi. Hello. Hi. <laughs> All right. So today's topic, uh, we're going to be mainly focusing on cinema literacy, um, importance of watching several different types of movies and informing your palate. Um, and we're also going to be probably straying back and forth about a whole bunch of other topics as well, because um, that's what we do here. <laughs> So first off, Daniel graduated uh, La Sierra University in 2016 uh, as a film major, mainly focusing on screenwriting, but doing other things as well. Uh, Daniel, do you mind giving a little bit of background uh, and experience, or talking about a little bit, I talking a little bit about your background and experience of what you've done in film school and what you've done since? Yeah. So I joined. La Sierra in 2012 as a freshman. And that was the first year of the film program um, where it was just Carrie and Rodney there. Um, and since then they've accumulated a variety of other like people who help teach and so on. And like have, you know, other classes that they sort of share with the history program. I actually double majored and I have a degree in history as well. Um, but my intention was always to do film. Um, though I, I, I do think like it's so valuable to have like like other, you know, intellectual interest, because that's really what feeds into like what you end up making a lot. Um, and uh, so I think, you know, I mean, I, I was there for four years and I graduated in 2016 in June. Um, and I spent most of that time writing, not really doing many other classes, but in the final year that I was there, um, I had been writing a lot for other people and it wasn't really satisfying for me to an extent because I was either writing the stories they wanted that I personally didn't find very exciting or <laughs> um, I wrote stories that I really liked, handed them off to people and they didn't really do anything with them or even give me a copy of the finished version in some cases. So, um, you know, I ended up writing like a, a, a film uh, the summer uh, or like the my junior year that I shot um, the summer after um, and that was uh, that was called Denada. It went to a few festivals. It premiered at Boston International Film Festival. Um, I also wrote a feature screenplay that did got into semis of some like pretty pretty decent, um, you know, screenplay competitions like a feature screenplay. And that was like my senior thesis project too. It was called The Ambassador. I still want to make it someday. <laughs> um, I, uh, it's an, it's a period piece. So that, that's an expensive one. <laughs> it's not a first feature type concept. Um, and then, um, and it was like, you know, it, a lot of my history studies also fed into that. Um, and then, uh, right after college, I produced a short for someone else that they never finished, which is important when you're producing for other people to really know that person well, because it's a lot of work and, um, you really need to know that they're gonna, they're the kind of person that's committed to it. Um, and that's also someone that aligns with you in their, the way they see um, for doing film work with other people, especially. It's a very interpersonal, interpersonal relationships are so important for film. So that's important to know. But after that, I produced and directed another short for myself that I also wrote 
uh, Memorama um, that both of you guys worked on early on uh, in your film careers. Um, Definitely. Uh, yep. And uh, and that one, it took me a while to finish because it's very VFX heavy and very like, it was just like like a weird ambitious thing that I did. Um, and it took me a couple years to finish after because I had graduated and I, I didn't have money for anyone else to finish it. So I used it as a way to force myself to learn more about post-production. Um, so I edited and did almost all of the effects for it myself. Um, and the way I did that was the first job I got in the industry after leaving La Sierra and moving to LA um, was at this visual effects studio called The Mill um, as a runner which is like a PA, but it's a British company. So they refer to them as Renas. Um, <laughs> and they, uh, and it, it's a pretty like big studio. It's owned by Technicolor. Um, and they work on a lot of music videos and Super Bowl commercials, a lot of short form, high concept design stuff, very aesthetically driven, not necessarily narratively. So it wasn't totally a fit for me. And at the same time, it was great because I was forced to be into a part of it, you know, of storytelling that really wasn't, my strength or what I thought was my strength. Um, I came to film from the narrative side. Some people come to film, I think from the visual phot photographic sensibility um, and or animated sensibility or basically some visual, um, you know, background that I think is great and is totally valid. Um, I think both are equally valid and you end up kind of like having your strength in that and finding and surrounding yourself with people that help, you know, fill in your other gaps. Um, for me, I definitely felt a lot more insecure and less confident about my visual sense and a lot more confident about my narrative sense. Um, so being in that position was really great. I was surrounded by visual artists day in and day out. And it really helped me like learn a lot about that. And it helped me like learn more of the techie side, which has always intimidated me, <laughs> you know, um, <clears throat> and still does to an extent. And, uh, and, you know, and then I finished it that film, which is called Memorama, it went to a few festivals, um, including some international ones. It played in Oaxaca in Mexico in competition, and it played at Icaro in Guatemala, which is like the biggest Central American uh, like like expo for film. And I got second place for best fiction short, which was cool. Um, and uh, you know that was that was special and, and meaningful after like working on something that long. Um, and then I also, um, at, by then I had been like promoted to like another position at the studio, not working as an artist, but on the production side, I was like managing all the assets in, internally, like, like the effects equipment, props, um, you know, data. And, uh, and it was like a very organizationally minded job, but I really wanted to move to something more narratively based. So I had also, for the year before that, been trying to figure out how to shoot a nonfiction film. I wanted to do a documentary and I wanted to shoot it in El Salvador. And I did a research trip to shoot there um, just by myself with my camera. And I found that I like really, I like as much as I love observational nonfiction, you know, um, I really found that like it wasn't something I found felt myself comfortable filming. Um, but like having been someone that had seen a lot of movies, I knew there was other ways to do it. And so I wanted to get deeper into like an understanding of like, how can I make this film? Cause I, I'm not the kind of person that has like a set way of making a film. I have a story I'm excited by, and then I find a style or I find, I learn what I need to, to make it real. 
um, you know, and um, and so I realized like I need to be more invested in that. And incidentally, at that time, Sundance was hiring for someone to you know work in their documentary fund as an assistant. So um, I applied to that job, um, and so that's where I am now. I work for Sundance um, as part of their documentary program. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I basically all day, it's, it's like a, a great job. Like, uh, I, you know, read proposals and watch samples and give notes and, you know, like both like selecting filmmakers that we want to give filmmaking grants to, and also, um, uh, filmmakers that we've already given grants to giving them art, like, you know, working in, our, on, in an artistic support capacity, giving them notes on rough cuts, you know, like if they're looking for composers, I'll like hit up someone in the composing, like in the music program and being like, this is like their thing. Like, is does, do you know of anyone that might match that style and helping like make connections and collaborations? Um, and so, you know, it's great work and it's really helped me, I think, evolve my, my, um, you know, my, my artistic sensibility and my understanding of my own work and ask, harder questions of myself and also just I get to watch movies for money <laughs> um, and then uh, I also uh, I, I did shoot a third fiction short because at this point like I, I find fiction a lot less intimidating than nonfiction in some ways because there's like a sort of I, I think because just of my personality I like having a plan and fiction is very much for planners in some ways um, and so I shot that and that's currently in post-production and it's called Superstar. And it's the first thing I've filmed since like, like out here in LA with like an LA crew that like actually like pretty much everyone on the set was paid to like work on it. Um, like, you know, like through crowdfunding and like my own personal investment, um, we were able to put that together. Um, so it's in, it's in like fine cut stage right now. And, uh, um, getting close to finishing um, it hopefully in the next few months um, we were like had a set deadline but because of COVID <laughs> like all the <laughs> festival like we're just like it'll be done when it's done I might this is might as well use this as an opportunity to be um, you know picky about it and then I'm also working slowly as as I'm finishing up this film I'm gonna be focusing more on that nonfiction film because I think I know how I want to make it so I'm shifting focus back to that um, because now I want to shoot that one next year. Yeah. Wow, lots of lots of stuff in your life. <laughs> <laughs> for for those of uh, for those of the people that don't know, um, you mentioned a trip to El Salvador. Why El Salvador? Oh, I'm Salvadoran American. So like, I was born here, but I lived there for a long time. Um, and so the film's like a sort sort of personal exploration of. Uh, the film I want to do is sort of a personal exploration of both my experience growing up there and my mom's and sort of contrasting the two, like the sort of differences in generation and the differences in like what to us was like important uh, there. And, but the film is also so much about like, um, there's a lot of documentaries. It's almost like a cliche of documentaries where it's like, you go back to a place that meant, you know, like, going back to somewhere you know mm. like, there's so many films about whatever grew up in this town he goes back is it different is it the same you know <laughs> and that's a bit of a cliche but the way i'm i guess i'm trying to make it distinct is um the you know a lot of those films are based on archive and we don't really have footage of my mom or my life there it wasn't we weren't in a position financially to have like 
my mom, you know, growing up, there was no cameras in her home. So like, there's no real, there's not like a ton of pictures of her when she was a kid. There's maybe like two, um, you know, and in the case, in my case, um, and, you know, in both our cases, cause she grew up there during the war and I grew up there when there was like a lot of gang violence. So there's picture, there's more pictures of me growing up there, but there's no like videos or anything. People aren't out filming with cameras cause they'll just get it stolen unless you grew up in one of the rich areas there. So um, that's not really a possibility. So um, for me, like the film is also an exploration of like the privilege of preserved memory in a way. Um, and the way, you know, people, the, the images of El Salvador that get preserved are the ones of the war and are the sensational violent ones, or it's whatever the tourism board wants to put together. And it's not the lives of average people there. Um, and so my film, I think the reason why I think it fits my sensibility, I think is that I, I, I kind of know how I want to film it in a way that's a little more planned because since there is no footage, I have to sort of recreate it in a way um, that allows me to use some of my fiction toolbox to basically make a nonfiction film. Um, so organically out of this, I guess I'm coming up with a sort of, I wouldn't call it hybrid because I have no intention to use actors or anything. Um, but like a sort of creative approach to how I'm going to turn the clock back and you know explore El Salvador when I grew up, El Salvador when my mom grew up, and El Salvador today, and potentially its future. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, I think that's that's kind of how I thought and like ideated that. Um, so yeah, nice, Chris. Any thoughts on <laughs> what Daniel has said? <laughs> oh man, I mean, I'm super interested in what you're going to do with that project, because I did a lot of research and a lot of uh, study for a class that I was taking about um, first generation immigrants, second generation immigrants, 1.5 generation immigrants, etc. And like how all of their experiences in a different country completely like are different or completely could be, you know, changed depending on if they're living in a neighborhood of, you know, they're all, like a neighborhood of people that immigrated with them or people of similar culture or yeah. they just completely moved into a place that's completely fish out of water kind of deal. So yeah. it'd be really interesting to see how you explore that. Yeah, and it's a weird one because it's like my mom was an immigrant to the United States and I was born in the United States. So in many ways, I was an immigrant to El Salvador. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were there kind of under different situations. Um, and then I re-immigrated back to the United States in a way after that. Um, but our relationship to, yeah, like place, is very scattered because you know we kind of grew up between two nations in in many ways um um and e even for yeah for for like immigrants that like don't return in many ways that still stays with them especially mm -hmm. if they grew up in those communities i remember when i was like little in oakland like i lived in a very latino community and then when i was seven we moved to ohio and there was like nobody and it was such a like shock like you know yeah I went from a school, like a, an elementary school that was called like Dolores Huerta Learning Academy to like a school that was called like Stewart Elementary and like <laughs> white. And I was just like, uh, <laughs> and, you know, and slowly that stuff starts mattering. Like someone bullies you because you're eating a food that they don't know how to pronounce and like whatever, you know. So like it's, it's interesting how, you know, th those things matter. And there's so many incredible films being made about those experiences because those communities finally, the kids that were in those communities are starting to grow up and, you know, learn how to make films and finally have a way of telling those stories that didn't really exist before because those communities were so new. Yeah, um, I'm really interested to see how, you know, how mm -hmm. like intricate each of these stories are going to come out and how, you know, 
Mm-hmm. You can have one person that is like 99% similar to you, but one event in their life is so specific that it kind of redefined how they viewed all these other similar events. Yeah. No, I, I think it, it's so important to, I mean, film, like filmmaking is so much about knowing yourself, like good filmmaking. And it, it really is important to take the time to get to know yourself and not rush that process. Um, I think there's a lot of pressure because like, there's like a sort of like culture of like, this guy won Tribeca when he was like 19 or whatever, you know? <laughs> and then they're like, oh crap, like why am I not doing that? But there's also very specific reasons and privileges and things that people benefit or don't benefit from. And it's not that that person like should be like, feel guilty that they were able to. I love like some movies by 19 year olds. There's this one called, um, I Killed My Mother by Xavier Dolan, who's a, a Quebecian, uh, French-Canadian filmmaker. Um, I love that movie. He, he released it when he was 19 at Cannes. Um, and it's an incredible film. Um, but, you know, you also have to understand, he definitely, like, came from a pretty privileged background. He was, like, a star, a child star in Canada and in, like, French cinema. Um, or, like, not French cinema, but French language movies. Um, so he grew up around movies and had his own money that he was able to put into it. And also Canada has a very extensive state funding that the United States doesn't do. The United States government honestly doesn't really support culture very much um, the way a lot of other countries do. So because of that, he was able to apply to national funds, have his own funding, and also have like the experience of literally growing up on sets to really you know, shape that. Um, and that doesn't make his movie bad, but it's just important to understand that your journey is different sometimes. And it's not a bad thing. And frankly, there's some things I like, you know, when I was like your age, I was like so mad that like I was graduating college and not having being someone that had like already like a resume of films that like had traveled to festivals and stuff. And then now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, thank God. I was so immature at that age. I don't know how I would have handled that. Because <laughs> like, I, you also like, because like now that I'm older, I also see, I see filmmakers who are younger than me. Um, have some success and some of them handle it well and some of them really don't. <laughs> and there's reasons for that. Um, and so it's important to get the time to know yourself and to learn about yourself and not rush that process. Cause like you'll, uh, you know, you don't want to get there and not be ready for it. Cause it's a lot of pressure, you know, um, it really is. Um, I think that's and- a really good segue into uh, actually our topic. Don't you think Brendan? Yeah, I think so. I think another segue I was going to try and make was that <laughs> because the, uh, what, what Daniel's do, trying to do with uh, your film mm-hmm. and that you have in mind, like you don't really see a lot of that in mainstream media. And even the ones that are like kind of depicted in a very uh, unrealistic way. Yeah. And it's it's like it's difficult because yeah, we don't see a lot of like Central American or South American films um, about specifically like the hard times uh, or like, and if it is, it's like CSI government uh, or uh, not CSI, but CIA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Very sensational. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, there's not a lot of things out there in mainstream media, but in like the smaller media uh, or smaller outlets, there are. Um, and so like, which is feeds into similarity and feeds into how do you find movies to watch and how do you um, diversify your palette? Yeah. Uh, I think, I think part of that is, I mean, if you love movies, you have a natural curiosity to watch more. 
and just like like test yourself and be like oh okay this is something i like this is something i don't like oh this is something excited about i want to share it with people um this is something that inspires me so i think like i mean first off if if you already are a person that like is like i am good with what i've seen filmmaking might not be for you <laughs> yeah. Like, I think there needs to be a sort of like insatiability to you. Um, like in every every filmmaker I know that like, and I've worked with a lot of filmmakers at this point um, that are some of which have some pretty significant success. And um, all of them are like that. All of them are like, I just want to watch more, you know? And it doesn't mean that there's homebodies that like don't go out and have families and like do things and have other interests. But like, you know, you watch at your pace and what fits you. Um, but you definitely are so like, you know, good filmmakers are people who just want to watch things because they just love them. And even with a bad movie, like you'll learn something, you know? Um, oh, that's true. Yeah. So I think, I mean, that's the first thing. Like you just, it's important to have that thirst <laughs> for lack of a better word. Um, and it's also important to be someone who's just curious generally. Um, I think even if you're not like a writer, because I know people sometimes are like, like, I, and that's, I mean, I, I, I hope that by senior year, it's like clear that like, even if you're like a person who wants to just direct and that's fine, you still have to be someone that's exploring your interests because you need to have, find a screenplay that like makes sense for you um, and that excites you. And it's not just knowing, and you're also going to be the one that's directing the actors and understanding their intentions. So it's, um, it's not enough to just know technical skills it's not enough to just know like oh like i can well like i have a clever way of you know like breaking the 180 line here and then like moving it into like a wide from a you know medium here like you really need to like more important than that you need to know like what does this character want what's what are they feeling in this moment you know what is the audience feeling in this moment and do they need to be feeling the same thing as the character do they need to be feeling something different do they need more information than the character does to understand what's going to happen in a better way? You know, like you, th there's a lot of like psychoanalysis of character and subject and, and also what is happening and what matters in the script. So I think like, even if you're someone who is like just a, like doesn't, you know, isn't a writer and which is again, fine. You, and you know, you can know all the technical skills in the world and you can be using like a RE mini and whatever. Um, but if you don't know what's going on in the heads of the people, you're lost. And the best way to know that is to like really get to understand a yourself and your own thought process B, um, you know, understand people and society and the ways certain things make certain people feel which is why it's so important to also understand history and psychology and philosophy and like get like a grasp on those things and also to see how other people have done it in yeah. other ways, you know, and the ways they've done it differently. Um, and that was something that I, I like, um, I really liked about going to a college that wasn't so like just skill-based. Like you learn a lot of skills in the film program, but you have to take, other gen eds and in many ways like those humanities classes you have to take are the best thing for your filmmaking um <laughs> you know there's a quote from terry gilliam i think who was like um he was like you know if you go to college don't study filmmaking <laughs> like study like art and science and philosophy and sociology and then learn the camera stuff which like you can do both i did um you know 
uh, and you don't have to like, like you can still be just a filmmaker and take those classes or also just be someone who likes reading, like reading honestly is half of it. Like, you know, um, but in terms of also actual filmmaking, it's very important to know the way people have done it before. Um, I think when I was at film school, there was a lot of kids who really, um, it's not like that, you know, it's like a, it's a value thing, but it's to their, it's, it's to their loss that they really kind of like had certain niches that a, I don't felt, I didn't feel were fully explored or be kind of limited themselves in a certain way. And even in the industry, I meet people who are like, I was like, you know, like, Oh, go watch this. Like, come watch this like Polish film with me. Um, that's beautiful. And then they're like, Oh, I don't want to see that because it's like black and white with subtitles. And I'm like, oh. and then it's Cold War. And then it gets nominated for like a couple Oscars. And I'm like, and then they're like, oh, that movie looks good. I was like, yeah, I know. I could have told you that. Um, <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, and then, or like, I mean, even like Parasite, like it's great that like, I think a movie with foreign subtitles finally broke through and Bong Joon-ho is someone I've been watching since college because a friend was like, you should check this out. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and it was really great. And then I watched the rest of his movies and I was like, oh, this guy's great. Um, and then to see him finally break out like that in American cinema is just really special. Um, but it also, but it also, yeah. And it also gives you an idea of like, I mean, film is so great because it like, it captures history and it captures current events and it captures, you know, foreign attitudes and stuff. And for someone like me who like, I didn't grow up traveling, even though I lived in El Salvador, it wasn't like a, Oh yeah. Like I want to like have this exotic experience living in another country. No, it was like a, very like like family you know citizenship matter thing so you know in many ways film became my passport like i you know watched a lot of movies from china and like i got to understand like a lot of issues from there that i wouldn't have you know heard about or understood otherwise or films from italy you know in the 60s and understanding how like post-war they felt about themselves you know um and so it's so important to to watch those things because you get a context for how people are de dealt with things before. Cause then you look at how you're dealing with things now and you have sort of a compass. Um, and it's also because um, I think for lack of a better, like I love a lot of American movies, but American movies can be very prescriptive. <laughs> like in terms of like studio filmmaking, popular American filmmaking, there's very set guidelines for how people expect a script to be structured, expect, um, you know, screenplay technique to be used, expect beats and expect certain emotional highs and lows. And I like a lot of that stuff. And sometimes I, I feel like embracing it. And sometimes I have a project where it's like, that would really take the wind out of this film. I don't need to do that here. Um, and it should, you know, and I think it's important to know that that's, there's, there's more than one way to cook an egg, you know. Um, that's a great way to like phrase that, um, and especially when it comes to foreign films, like, mm -hmm. you know, telling a story in, in many ways is very like structured and how we've been taught how to do it. But it's yeah. also such a universal thing where so many different cultures and groups of people have learned to tell stories in meaningful ways yeah. and learning and witnessing how they tell stories can only help you create better stories when you choose to do so and, and especially when it and especially when it comes to like learning like a rule like the rules and the environment and the world yeah. that they build their stories within it's so refreshing to kind of see a different perspective and see how mm -hmm. meaningful stories can be told in different contexts as long as you kind of like understand the rules around it yeah and i think there's also like 
there's like a, and I'm not saying like American film, there's not to learn a lot about it. Consequently, I love a lot of American films. And obviously that's like the main tradition I have in my life because I'm American. Um, but I also think like, there's like this great, you know, quote from, I think Abbas Kiras, uh, no, not Abbas. It was Asghar Fahardi, who's one of the leading like Iranian filmmakers right now. Um, he did like a separation, which is like a masterpiece and like the salesman and everybody knows and a number of other films. And I think after the premiere of everybody knows some like, some like European Brit like journalists asked him like, we noticed a lot of like Bertolt Breck influence in this film, you know, who's like this famous like experimental German like playwright, right? Um, and Osgard is just like, um, just like just starts laughing. <laughs> and he's like, I've heard of him. Like, I think I've read some of his stuff. He's fine. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> like, like, you have to understand I'm Iranian. I'm, I'm Persian. We've had a long poet, poetry and literary tradition that spans thousands of years. Like, like, I don't need to turn to Europe for inspiration. I have my own in my backyard, you know, I'm paraphrasing. Yes. But you know, that's he's so true, though. Yeah. And so that's something that's also important to know. And like, something that's like so valuable to understand like you it's there's no no one has a monopoly on how to tell a good story um and and uh and, and no one person no two people will make the same film and the fact that so many american films look so a lot alike is probably more concerning than it is impressive <laughs> you know um you know when you know and that's 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 just like a whole other you know it's like a you know like i can get into how i feel about a lot of studio films that are just like <laughs> You know, like, it's like, you know, and I don't think there's wrong something wrong when a producer has a vision. Like, actually, I think, for example, for the Marvel movies, they're not really my total cup of tea, but I don't think any of them are like, I, I mean, I haven't admittedly watched like most of them, but like, I don't think any of the ones I've seen are like disastrous because like Kevin Feige has a very specific vision of how he sees the universe together. And sometimes in, a, in that kind of world, the director isn't the one that's like the main voice. It's really the producer. Um, and so as long as you have someone with a strong unified vision guiding things, I think it's okay. And I don't, you know, and so I think, you know, for that, there's some merit to that. That being said, I, I personally, like, just out of who I am personally, don't know if I could <laughs> make something for someone else that has that much influence over what it is. Um, I mean, but I definitely am like very committed to like, the independent film world and that's kind of like where i've found the home at least here in the industry so i like i definitely embrace that um but it's important to talk about that stuff i mean we can definitely talk i don't know brendan and chris if you want of like some different like bubbles and like film disciplines i think that excite me and things that might be mm -hmm. of interest to people um yeah we can touch upon that a little bit uh yeah. first i also i kind of want to touch or say something along the lines of Mm -hmm. uh, like especially as like a film student yeah uh, like at, at least for me i know that like i've kind of had trouble like let's just say i have this topic and i went to uh, create a film about it um and have a story and everything and then i'm not exactly sure i wasn't exactly sure how so i think watching like like we touched upon before watching different people and how they tackle the same topic yeah. differently is very important to ask because it, it, it really for me it kind of like shapes your mind like okay this person did it that way and then this got this reaction i'm not sure if i want to do that and i'm like trying to turn it around this way and then maybe get this reaction so that therefore because i'm telling this story 
I think it's very important in trying to, at least as as a, like you said, Daniel, like in the independent film world, as, as a creative, where you're, you're trying to get um, or, or tell a specific story is vastly important. Yeah. Um, in watching and informing your palette, it's because uh, it, it guides the way that you do things rather than just like, oh, I, I kind of have this idea. Um, because, like, if you don't have a very specific idea about how you're going to do it, and you don't know how different how other people have gone reactions, mm-hmm. it it might be a complete disaster. <laughs> yeah, and I think um like my job actually has been very illuminating in some ways because of that because like in my job I literally review like hundreds of applications for films and the way people write about them you will tell who's knows what they're talking about who doesn't. So for example, I I will sometimes get um, an application for a film in development that says this is the first and only film to make a film about this topic. And I have to be like, well, really? Cause I have like 16 others in this pile that are about the same topic, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and it's not that like, it's, it's like you can make a film about something that's been done before, but you have to find your own approach to it. And the, if you don't like actually proactively seek that out, you'll in, like inherently out of just like custom, I feel you you won't you can't help yourself, but you'll make something only based on what you've seen, and it'll probably feel that way. Um, it's important to understand what's out there, just to know like what you don't need to do because it's already been done, and also what you can bring to the table that's different. And also, it can push yourself to ask like, why do I want to make this? Because sometimes that's the reaction I get. I'm like, I get why this is a story. I don't get why you're the person to tell it. And that's like um, a whole other thing. Like you need to know your place in relationship to the story you want to tell. Um, and so yeah, I think you have to see how other people tell it in order to understand that. Yeah, I think it's like very hard to be original in this world nowadays. So it's really being like original in your own approach and your own um, design to the whole project. Chris, do you have um, like... Like we we've talked a lot about about um like cinema and like watching other things and Daniel's talked a lot about like you know doing um studying other uh topics such as like humanities arts mm-hmm. and other um topics and subjects how how important or what do you think like how important is it to actually kind of you know explore other aspects um and other ideas of the world or not not just like watching films but exploring other things as well uh, how oh, does that man. inform filmmakers yeah so um for context i'm i also graduated with a religious studies degree so a lot of my scholarly studies kind of involved learning about stories that have been told for centuries you know mm-hmm. and one of the most important things that i learned in religious studies is that how you tell a story or how you tell someone who's forming their identity and forming their personhood how you begin to tell stories to them. My new intermission, Chris cut out there for a little bit. So Daniel and I will talk about some stuff before Chris joins us back. Well, until Chris is back, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But... No, it's all good. I mean, I'm excited to hear what he says, because I think like learning religion is one of the most valuable things, because those are obviously stories that have been told for a very long time. Um, I recently was reading, like, I've been trying to read the Popol Vuh, which is like the, like, Mayan 
quiche like religious text and like i mean i'm of half like indigenous descendants so like it's a uh, something i want to know more about um and it also is like something that i think can really help my stories like inform like and like also make me understand myself and therefore like the way i want to approach my stories um you know uh i i think i think that stuff is like invaluable yeah i think for me i think i realized in the past couple uh, years about how much i need to do my own exploring mm -hmm. because I, especially when I first entered film squad, I did not have watched a lot of movies in the first place. I was like, oh, I'll just stick with my standard action in Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. And it's just like, oh, shoot. <laughs> I'm not trying to tell these stories as a film student. So how am I going to like actually um, go about making like um, a specific drama or a specific type of other yeah. um, film? Ah, Chris is back. Chris is back. Oh. Hi, Chris. Hi. Yeah. Oh, uh, let me let me finish just, like, camp out. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Go um, I was I was just telling Daniel like when I first entered film school that um, I didn't watch a lot of movies and the ones I did watch were like more action based. And as a film student, it's like oh, I'm not gonna try. And, oh, I, for me, I wasn't gonna try and make a whole bunch of like action blockbusters. You know, as a film student. <laughs> um, and so I think exploring um different options and different venues for me was extremely helpful especially because i know um i think i kind of followed daniel's uh footsteps a little bit in, in the honest program um via a, a spanish uh history uh film course that was just me like watching i think nine movies i watched um from uh mexican and south american cinema mm -hmm. and i was just like mind up i mean so, some of them were like very much kind of like your standard you know three-act structure american style but the others especially exploring the problems and the issues of um south american mexican Amer and mexican culture uh was like was like eye-opening to me because i've never seen them before yeah um, i think which ones did you want did you watch memories of underdevelopment i was like no i, I think <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I watched that one. I think I, um, I watched five from Mexico and four from South America. Right. The ones that kind of stick out in my mind are um, Los Abidados, uh, uh, <laughs> The Secret in Their Eyes in 2009. Um, oh, I love that movie. Yeah. That one's yeah. very traditional, but it's like so interesting because you learn so much about Argentina in it. I know. Yeah, I also watched Itumama Tambien. <laughs> <That's> um, <laughs> yeah, Los Perros uh, something. Yes, I'm more spend this. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of those are very subversive. Yeah, El Toro was just like mind-boggling for me. I did not <laughs> understand that at all. Um, I don't think I've seen that one, El Toro. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, I think Dr. Hal recommended it. Holy crap! <laughs> <laughs> oh, El Topo. Oh yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's there, yeah. Oh, that Todorowski. Yeah, that shit's yeah. weird. I kind of <laughs> like it more. <laughs> yeah. But he's a, he's a weird character. It it, it goes farther but that that's a whole other podcast <laughs> yeah nice uh, yeah uh, all right uh <laughs> christy i'm gonna continue your train of thought um oh, talking i'm gonna about... start over because i'm like i have no idea how much you guys got or not no all right okay so for like those of you who don't know um i also have graduated with a degree in religious studies and so you know for i was studying like stories that have been told for centuries and have informed a lot of the way that people kind of formulate and 
understand the world, so to speak. And obviously, you know, there's people today that don't subscribe to any one faith or have come from a faith and chosen to be agnostic or whatever, and that's perfectly fine. But one of the things that I've kind of learned is that from whatever background you grew up in, from whatever religious faith that kind of informed your culture or the culture that you were born into, directly affects how you understand and tell stories. Not to say that you can't tell a story in another way. It's just saying that for the most of your life, you've been understanding stories in a specific train of thought. You understand certain things as rules and things that inform uh, cause and effect. So, for instance, one of the most important things to understand is that uh, if you were to understand um, religious studies or someone's faith, you are going to understand how they perceive time. You're going to understand if they think of time as a cyclical pattern or if they think it is linear or what form of time is the most important to consider. So are you thinking, are, is your character only thinking in the past, thinking of returning to a place that used to be? Is it a character that's always pushing forward or is it a character that's completely living in the present? Or is it a character that somehow does all three at the same time, which is really important. Um, but in general, I think that when you study religion, when you study humanities, when you study communication skills, when you study history, when you study literature, you really kind of get informed about how people have been forming thoughts in their head and getting from A to B when it, when it comes to meaning. And when you, when you study another culture, that is a completely different like communication Bible that you almost need to inform yourself with to tell a really good and meaningful story, especially if you're trying to be bold enough to tell a story of a culture that's not your own. That is so important to do your research and to really understand the meaning behind a lot of uh, these cultural symbols and uh, and inform and cultural implications. Yeah, I think another thing that I've realized over like the past couple of years is that like I know that my mind has been like geared to think a certain way. And so like I, I, for, for me personally, I'm like, I don't want to like, you know, be like uh, confined to this kind of like train of thought that my mind goes. So I kind of want to explore other ways that my mind uh, to think and to process information and to process uh, life and the universe in general. <laughs> uh, so I, that's just me, but like, it's like, you know, finding other things and studying other different cultures, like you said, Chris, um, greatly helps in like expanding your worldview, and that kind of informs how you do things as well. Totally. Um, one thing that I did think about though, when you're when you're speaking, because like uh, you talked about how you went into college liking a lot of action movies, I feel like I went into college liking a lot of thriller movies, and then as I got to know myself, I felt like I really. Like, you know, I love those movies and I still watch those, but like, I still, I, you know, I, I found myself wanting to do a lot of, you know, more dramatic work and like, you know, kind of more, um, you know, dramatic, you know, style filmmaking that's just kind of very like more quotidian, I guess. Um, but I still like that stuff. And then if you follow like a lot of action directors, they still like, they're very versed on like <laughs> other films that are not action movies. They love, you know, he loved me some weepy. One of my favorite guys right now. <laughs> he did like um, the raid, and he did like Apostle, which is on Netflix. And he's like Welsh, but lived in Malaysia for a long time, and like got to know the art martial arts community there, and made martial arts films with them. And now he's doing action movies, and um, in uh, you know, in in like the United Kingdom. But he like, you know, 
he's a cinephile he'll watch anything else too and same goes for like everybody that's like into stuff sometimes you know what you like and what you're good at making also sometimes are not the same thing um so true and uh and the more you get to know yourself the more you get to know like yeah what what is like what is something that you like to enjoy and what is something that you make um and and the way yeah and um what you take in still will find its way in there sometimes like you'll be like oh that's not a movie i can make and then you make a movie and then you see the dna of those things that you enjoyed in there even like without you noticing that just finds its way in there and i think that connects to like what you said chris like what you the traditions you grew up with will inevitably shape the the, the types of things you want to make um which is why like it's exciting when you're an older and you can be proactive and just be like this is what i want to take in now you know and you can decide for yourself a bit and you can explore and like learn and that's like what i really encourage all film, ma uh, film majors to do like is like just really explore what's out there um because there's so many movies out there and there's so many good ones and not all of them will connect with you but so many that like really um will change the way you think about film um and will really you know do that yeah yeah chris is there anything you want to go off off from that or <laughs> i think the thing i love the most about um like a lot of the stuff that you've been talking about has been like how like well read and well versed like it, it kind of takes to tell a really detailed and meticulously layered story and i think for a lot of filmmakers um especially those in film school they may be so proactively caught up with you know oh i have these general ed courses i gotta take i have this homework i have to do i have this product i have to do yeah but you're also a filmmaker and filmmakers to be well read as if you know to compare them with another major to be studied and to be well read means to consume a lot of media, means to consume a lot of films and a lot of varied films to really understand what their project it's and their work. craft is going. It is work. Yeah, it's so, enjoyable. Yeah. Like it's it's work to like watch that much and like, you know, as someone who does it for money now. Um and like <laughs> I have a friend who are festival programmers and it's like really it, it actually does get taxing, especially when you're, you know, we look at everything, even the bad ones. So like, you know, we have to like, you have to stomach that. But um, no, I, I definitely think it's like, it's so important to do that and to invest that time. Um, and at the risk of saying this on a, well, this is an unofficial podcast, but honestly, like, like, it's important to get good grades in college, but in the film industry, most people really don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, most people really don't care what they care about is that like you know you have experience um i encourage people to apply to internships and make movies and like you know have like production or you know instant or, or you know experience at companies like get, go to internships it doesn't even have to be like the nicest ones there's like or there's some pretty like like lovely like volunteer internship positions with festivals that i really encourage people to do a lot of people that work at sundance um started as like interns or as volunteers at the festival or as you know seasonal staff at the festival and they just work there like during the summer supporting the labs or during the winter supporting the festival um, um it's so important to get exposure to the industry um as early as you can and as consistently as you can to make connections and make a community because it can get lonely um and like i moved out here when you know like the, the thing of like when i like this is one thing that i think is really valuable the only thing I think is truly more valuable than a lot of those of a lot of those like leading film schools. Like, like, I don't think it's like, I like personally, I've never, you know, like I'm in the industry. I don't really 
meet people that went to Adventist universities often. <laughs> um, like maybe like a couple I've run into. Um, and then, um, but like, it doesn't mean I know any less than anybody else. A lot of my coworkers went to like Harvard or John Hopkins or like Stanford or whatever. It doesn't matter. If you know movies, you know movies. Um, and the only thing that I will say that kind of was lacking since I joined as a freshman was that there's no alumni network. And I have friends who went to like Syracuse that as soon as they graduated, they could post on a job board that's like Syracuse alumni job board. And people who weren't went to Syracuse will post jobs. Like I'm looking for a PA for this. I'm looking for a whatever for this. I'm looking for, and so she was able to get consistent, you know, work on set that way. And that doesn't really exist for La Sierra since there's not many graduates that have actually pursued uh, a, yeah. like continuing working in the industry aside yeah. from me and maybe a couple others. Um, and so because of that, like, you know, I really had to move out here in LA, not really knowing many people other than the people I, I went to film. Like I met people at the film festivals I attended as a filmmaker when I was still a student, like Boston. I met some friends there that worked in the industry and we're, I'm still friends with a number of them now. Um, and, uh, you know, and so those, you know, I just had to sort of build my own community from scratch. And so you guys have the benefit of like, there is a few people out here now, including myself. Um, so like you, you have some like lines to that world. Um, and I encourage you guys to like, that's part of why I'm like, I try to keep an open door to the, like, to like people who like go to La Sierra. Cause like, I know they don't have that the way other schools do. And ironically, I'm probably one of the people that's like out here doing things, you know, that's like, you know, that kind of might hear about like entry level positions or internships. And I try to send them to like Terry and Rodney. I hope they've been sharing them whenever I send them to them. But, um, <laughs> um, you know, I, you know, so it's, it's just something I, uh, you know, I, I try to do, you know, to, you know, drop the ladder back down, I guess. But, um, but going back to the root of that, what really matters is that you know movies and that you like have experience <laughs> with them, watch a lot of movies. Honestly, like, no one cares what you're doing. <laughs> you know, I have coworkers that didn't even finish college. So, you know, like, uh, or I know plenty of filmmakers that didn't even study filmmaking. Mm -hmm. um, and they studied, you know, like, you know, like history or politics or religion. And, and then they like got into filmmaking, like just running on set and then, you know, learning enough that they could apply and make movies about the stuff they cared about and learned about in those classes. So it's like, there's no one way to get to the place, which is great. You get to make your up your own path, but you, but because you have to make up your own path, you have to be proactive and you have to want to watch things and want to make things and not just sit there and expect it to arrive to you. Cause it's not going to happen that way. Yeah. It's, it's not like every other degree where, okay, I know the path after college, I know how to get to that path. I know where I need to apply, what scores I need to get, what tests I need to do. It's not that for filmmaking. It's just, you yeah. gotta make stuff, you gotta watch stuff, and you gotta get really lucky sometimes. Yeah, and you have to understand, like, I'm not, I'm just gonna, like, you know, to explain how, you know, I, when I graduated La Sierra, um, I, I graduated magna cum laude with the honors program with two degrees with, like, best in major and the alumni award, um, and I had done internships in the industry at like Film Independent at, at like for like a screenwriter. Um, I had sold a screenplay at one point, um, which I don't like talking about because it's not a great experience. Um, um, and I, you know, and I had 
you know, made a short that had like gone to a couple festivals, nothing like particularly prestigious or anything, but like, you know, it got seen. Um, and I applied to like 65 jobs after I graduated and one called me back. <laughs> um, and that's the job I got. And that's the, you know, at the visual effects studio. Um, and it worked out, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with where I am now, but it's important to understand, like, it's very competitive. And it's important to, in many ways, I wish there was other internship opportunities there that could have been very beneficial. There's an internship for Palm Springs Shorts Fest, which is a very great shorts festival. Um, I encourage people if that's still an option or like, you know, to look into that. Um, it's a, it was a, it's a really good festival. I was probably going to go there to like scout for talent this summer, but you know, everything happened. So, um, um, so I, you know, I think it's very um, important to be proactive about your filmmaking and be proactive about making connections and not being afraid to reach out to people who, who you know are already out there. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, just really briefly, Daniel, like let's say a freshman entered La Sierra, what is like the one piece of advice you would give to them? Um, enjoy, enjoy your gen eds for one, like and actually make them work for you you know, make them work for you. Um, actually enjoy college. It's important to like not feel stressed and overwhelmed all the time and like have fun, like, you know, date, make friends, you know, you know, ha do social things, have a life. And it's important to develop interpersonal skills because you're going to be working with a lot of people all the time in this job. Even editors, like you still have to deal with everyone else in post. Like you might be working alone for long stretches, but like you still have to, you know, and people remember people that they like in this industry, they do. And people remember people who were jerks. Um, it's not a big community. I run into people all the time in LA and at festivals and stuff that I know. Um, it's a very small world, really. I mean, it only gets smaller the longer you're in it. So it's important to like be, you know, understand who you are and understand how you socialize. I actually think that's in, like, might be like, those are like really fundamental. Like you actually, you can't skip past the being a good, like learning how to be a, like a good person to work with part. You can't, um, it's so important. Um, and uh, so, so those are, those are some things. Watch a lot of movies. Um, I know Riverside doesn't really have an art house theater. So where I used to go to go to movies um, is I used to go to the, <laughs> the, the, the movie theater near Irvine, UC Irvine. Um, they would play a lot of like good movies. Um, the theater in uh, the Lemley Theater in Claremont. I used to go there. If you don't have a car, there's a lot of good movies you can get streaming um, through a number of sources. I recommend like Criterion Channel is like my bay. Um, Criterion <laughs> is like the best. Like they release a lot of incredible classic films, art house films, international films, incredible nonfiction and fiction. Um, if you live in LA County or have an LA or, or have like an address in LA County through family or whatever, I recommend getting Canopy, um, which is like with an LA library card, it's free. You get like 10 movies a month and it's incredible. Like A24 has a deal where they put every movie they, they have out of theaters on there. Ooh. Oh my gosh. They have all of like, you know, they have an incredible, like it's an incredible resource. Like libraries also in general just have a lot of stuff like, like use those libraries. That's what they're there for. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and there's a lot of good stuff on the mainstreamers too, like Hulu and, you know, um, Netflix and stuff. 
Um, uh, you know, and I, I recommend people follow a lot of the major festivals to see what's getting made and what's getting out there internationally and what, who's like talked about. There's some filmmakers that you just, not that you have to know about them, but like, like it's cool. Like, like you, you know, like it's helpful. Um, Everything is to your benefit. Nothing is going to hurt you. It's only to help you. So just yeah, go and look and, at it. Yeah, I've I've literally bonded with random people at festivals because I overheard them talking about a film. I'm like, oh yeah, I saw that. I'm like, who are you? Important person. And I'm like, oh, cool. I am just a random person, but I also <laughs> like that. And they're like, yeah, you know, let's keep up. So you know, it's 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 valuable to you know, you know, it's we all, the the beauty of being in this world is you speak the common language, and it's like you all mm. speak a common language, which is cinema, and you can just like geek about it. And you'll just meet so many wonderful people that are just nerdy about it as you. Um, I think that was one thing, La Sierra, that was a little hard for me. Um, it's not, it's, there's not a huge art community there that, um, uh, it, since it's such a business and like, like med focused school. Um, and I had a lot of friends that were in those, th in those things. And a lot of them actually had a lot of curiosity about film. And I actually like, I think it was very beneficial to, have like I think I still have a lot of friends that are not in the industry um because it's useful to like have perspective on the outside world because <laughs> it can be very insular at times and I also think it's um yeah. it's also it's good to know what other people are up to and what they like and if they don't like the same stuff as you that's okay you don't have to resent them for that I think I was very bitter that I was like I want my art hippie community now and I was like <laughs> you need to calm down and like not take it too seriously um um, and then like, you know, so in short, learn to be a great person to work with, be like, like listen to upperclassmen and like work on their projects and stuff. That's honestly so important. Like be, try to find your way on set as often as you can, or in, you know, the edit room or whatever interests you try out all the things. Cause you might not find that you like directing. You might like other stuff and that's great. Like we need people that are interested in all those things and that are wizards at it. Um, you know, and so I think that's important. Um, you know, take it easy, watch a lot of movies, um, be a good person. Yeah. Yeah. As we kind of come to the close here, uh, we talked a lot about kind of like indulging yourself and informing yourself and making sure you explore as much as possible. Um, but that much as possible is kind of an issue, at least for like, you know, students, um, you know, who do have to take general education classes that we were talking earlier and other distractions. How do like students time manage uh, their time, <laughs> time manage their time, but how, how do they manage their time and make, and like try and get as, do they, do they like, let's just say, do they try and like explore every single little bit like to a tiny degree or should they like focus on like one aspect a lot or they should try like you know find a balance like, I, so some people are very good at being like regimented like i'm gonna watch all the movies by francis ford coppola for the next month or all the movies by ozu for the next month or all the films by you know um briere for the next month and then like or varda or whatever I'm not like that. I'm very scattered. I will go on and I'll just see, I'll just wait until I see something that catches my fancy and then I'll watch it. Um, like I'll go on criteria and I'll surf around and I'll be like, this is what I'm in the mood for. I keep lists of things. So I kind of have them all in the same place. Um, but I think it's, uh, um, in college I did 
try to use the class format to have some discipline about it, which is why it's great that like you can do directed studies on like cinema history. Um, and why, like when I was in college, yeah, like I did one on Latin American his film history for that reason. And I did one on British film history. Um, but I think there's just some like, I think the way I started out was I kind of had a list of all the major directors I knew about and I watched at least one movie by them. Um, and there's so many major directors is something you'll quickly learn. So you, it's okay if you don't get them all. And if someone's like, well, you can't not include this person. Just ignore it's like, you know. <laughs> Um, but also be conscientious about making sure there's a variety because a lot of people will be like major director and they'll list like all a bunch of dudes that got big in the 90s that are still alive, like Tarantino and Nolan and whatever. Like, mm -hmm. no, like, like expand out and it'll all be men, which is so important. Like watch movies by women and by like yes. trans artists and by other people. Like you'll learn so much about how they see things. Um, and honestly, you know, you'll be more interesting for it as a dude. Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I was going to say, because honestly, like a lot of female students in film school are watching a lot of films by men because that's who's had to been able to make films historically. And so they know what how you guys think, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know they, that's actually to their benefit, probably. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and not like to their benefit. And like, it sucks that you can't see yourself and see like those voices, but in the sense that they know how those filmmakers think and they know what is celebrated in that world and they know what they want to do if they're using that. Right. Um, so I think, but it's so important to watch films by men and women and by people of all backgrounds. So like, for example, like just some names I had, like I knew like in terms of European cinema, there was like some important movements. There was like German new wave, there's like French new wave, Italian neorealism. So I watched films by like De Sica and Rossellini. I watched films for like French new wave by Truffaut and Stavart and Marta. Um, I watched films in like German new wave by like Fassbinder and like Wim Wenders. Um, and then you expand outwards. Like you can go to like, like, so, like a lot of like um, slow cinema, which I think is very popular, I think in like Asia right now, like probably the most. Like you can watch like Apichong Wirskal, who's like this great Thai director whose name I just butchered because I don't know how to pronounce Thai. But um, he did like Uncle Boon Me, who can recall his past lives or like Cemetery of Splendor. Um, those are beautiful films. Um, or like you can go to like Lab Diaz, who's like this big Filipino director um, who makes these movies that are sometimes like eight hours long. So they're like... Oh. But like, it's, it's interesting to like, and you know, I don't, you, if like, I don't recommend maybe watching that as a student necessarily, <laughs> so long. but, um, but like, it's important to know about like what's being made. Korean new wave is big. So I watched uh, like when I was in school, I was like the thing. So like Bong Joon-ho and like Lee Chang-dong and Kim Ki-duk and, um, you know, uh, Park Chan-wook who did old boy is probably like, like one of the ones that people know the most, uh, you know, when I was in school. Um, but there's so many others. Um, and then like in Latin America, you know, Mexican New Wave, which you mentioned a number of them, Brendan, like Amores Perros, or Tu Mama Tambien. Um, those are incredible films. And then there's like a lot of like South America, like Lucrecia Martel, who's like probably the biggest Argentine director. Her films are incredible and slow and lush and different. Um, and then there's a lot of like Chilean, Chile right now has a really cool like scene. You know, they have a lot of doc people too in documentary, like Maite Alberti, who had the mole agent um, at Sundance this past year, or like Patricio Guzman, who did nostalgia, like nostalgia for the light. 
Um, and they had a lot of fiction, like um, A Fantastic Woman, which won Best Foreign Film like a couple years ago. Um, you know, Pablo Larraín, who did Jackie, which was an American film, but he also does like films still in, in Latin America, like Emma, which just came out on movie or like is streaming right now online. Um, or like Dominga Sotomayor, who's like one of the filmmakers I'm the most mm -hmm. excited about. I met her a couple, mm -hmm. years, a couple years ago at AFI and she's like brilliant and um, like just so talented. Um, uh, I'm very excited for her films. But it, like, I, that's one of the best ways to learn. Like look at film festivals like Locarno and Cannes and, and um, you know, Berlin and Venice and see who's getting programmed there. Cause a lot of those people are the biggest voices in film right now and at Sundance. Um, you know, I might be biased, but I don't think <laughs> they're pretty big, but, um, um, you know, um, and it's just, you know, you'll learn more about what's out there, the more you keep up with that and you'll find yourself less going back to the same influences and you'll find yourself somewhere in between all those things. Mm. Chris, did you have something to say earlier? Yeah, I think it's just, um, one of the things that may be daunting and maybe like hard for a lot of like students to do, especially when you feel like a freshman or whatever, is like stepping outside your comfort zone and watching or reading or consuming something that you may not be familiar with. But mm. at the end of the day, um, think of it less like something that is uncomfortable and more like something that's new. It's something that's new to you, but to someone else, this is their story. This is the way that they're telling it. And this is the way that mm. if you ever encounter someone of that, uh, of that uh, character, you may be somewhat informed about who they are as a person. So think yeah. of it less like you're encountering something that's scary and daunting and think of it more as something that is a potential to meet a new person and listen to a new story. Yeah. I have, uh, I don't know if you're wrapping up, but I actually had an idea real quick. Yeah, of course. I'd like to know, like, because I'm not a film student right now, obviously. I'd like to know, like, what, what are you guys, like, what movies are really exciting for, I feel like, you guys right now? And, like, you know, I, I think it's useful always to know because I, I remember I was listening to one of the um the podcast episodes earlier, just a snippet because I was like surfing around and trying to understand like how you guys are formatting it. And like I, I heard like, you know, I think it was the one with John talking about how like there's a lot of emerging creative nonfiction, which there is. And I'm like, very excited about. But I wanted to know if there's like are there any like, you know, creative nonfiction films or fiction films that you think are like really exciting for people right now, like your age and like, you know, in film school, like what, what's, what's resonating right now with a lot of you guys. Um, I think it's useful for me to know. And if you want, I can send you like a, a recommendation on something to watch next. If you liked that. Ooh, I feel like you are like a film encyclopedia and I love it. Like I've never met someone that has such a good, like, you know, library of things that they could recommend that they could like talk about this is so super cool for me some of my coworkers, you, you gotta meet them they're like oh <laughs> they they they, <laughs> they me into their ground but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ooh, man. i think i don't know for me i'm still trying to expand yeah and so um i haven't i don't think i've watched uh at least what i like i don't think is what like the standard person likes <laughs> because i'm much more of like I, I like more like the European style, even though I haven't seen all the European movies. I do like that yeah. style. Yeah. And so for me, like that is more like what resonates with me. But I don't know about oh, this. What's the movie that you've seen recently? I remember. I think you mentioned the Great Beauty in one of them, which yeah, I like. Yeah. Oh. yeah, that movie was amazing. Um, yeah. I think I've watched 
uh, one Ingmar Bergman film, I think, a couple months ago. Which I one? forget which one. Uh, it was like the one with the road yeah. trip and like a dude, like the carriage. Um, yeah. But... He, honestly, I, I, he's, I like some of his films, but I'm, I'm less like, um, you know, like super well known. And like, I know less of his films well, but I do love one called Wild Strawberries of like this old guy who's like reminiscing on his life and like his his old love that like got away or something i think she married his brother or something <laughs> um, it's just like so like nostalgic and like oh and like you know it's beautiful yeah, i'm not sure if, if i if the one i watched was that one but i'll check it out if it wasn't <laughs> yeah. How about you, Chris? oh man okay so the, i actually get a lot of my film recommendations from my friends because my friends and i have been like going to movies and like they've been the ones to kind of like introduce me to weird stuff that i never watched before it's good um you need so, friends as a filmmaker yeah i think one of the first couple of things that i watched um that my friend showed me was like killing of a sacred deer which i just thought was like super beautiful to watch i was just like oh my gosh this is horrifying but it is so cool there it goes yeah <laughs> oh man um, and then my friend really got obsessed with the witch, and got obsessed mm-hmm. with um, oh God, what was the the lighthouse that came out recently? Yeah, same that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was he was super into it, and he made us watch it, and it was like super interesting to see visually like what what they were going for, and of course you know all the midsummer stuff and all that other jazz. But the film that I recently watched, which is kind of more mainstream, which is actually very mainstream, but yeah. got me super excited was the half of it. Oh, um, just yeah, that was Tribeca. Yeah. I um, haven't dude, seen it yet. Yeah. It is really nice and funny. I liked it a lot. It's really lighthearted. Um, mm-hmm. But the reason I like it a lot is because um, is because of the director, Alice Wu. Yeah. And it's refreshing to see someone tell a story in the way that I would want to tell a story kind of deal. Yeah. Like, you're like, oh, I totally get what she's doing here. And I, mm-hmm. I need that. <laughs> Like yeah. my senior thesis, um, I made, um, and watching this film, I'm like, that's kind of what I wanted it to be. I yeah. don't think I hit it, but that's where I was aiming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but that's good. That's good. It gives you someone to like look up to and stuff. There's um, yeah. you know, there I I'll, I'll throw two recommendations your way, which mm-hmm. one isn't out yet, but it's the film that won the grand jury prize at Sundance this year, and it's called Minari. Um, it's by Lee Isaac Chung, um, and it's a film about like very semi-biographical about like his family moved to Nebraska. They're like a Korean American immigrant family, mm-hmm. and they moved to Nebraska to start a farm. And so it's like kind of like through like um, Steve Young plays the dad, and there's this cute yeah. adorable little boy who's like being so cute on this the red carpet. Uh, oh, is this is this being distributed by A twenty four? Uh yeah. Okay yeah yeah yeah. yeah. And then um, another one, which both of you, I think, actually may like, because it's very European, but it's also very much like a weird, sort of violent, but kind of funny movie. (laughs) (laughs) Very Yorgos. Who is European? Um, uh, Is, and I don't know if you guys have seen this because it's on Netflix, but it's called Raw. Mm -hmm. I have not seen it. It's by Julia de Corno, who's like this French director, and it's one of my favorite, like, first films of the last decade. it's uh it's about a girl who's vegetarian which is very relatable because i am um Mm -hmm. goes to a veterinary school and as a hazing ritual they force them to eat a piece of raw meat um, Uh, okay that's the taste of meat 
and then it's mm. it goes from there into like this weird cannibal sisterhood film that's just amazing. Oh my god, <laughs> cannibals! So good, and it also has some of the best like college party scenes I've seen. <laughs> like, like sometimes parties and <laughs> so bad, like everyone's like against the wall, and it just like doesn't feel like you know it doesn't feel but, organic in any way. I was like, yeah, I'm sure French people do it this way. Like when I saw it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my. All right. Cool. Any last uh thoughts, comments, concerns? Um, um <laughs> watch lots of nonfiction too. Some of the best dialogue is stuff you can't write. So watching nonfiction films, even if you're a writer, like is so useful. Because the way people talk naturally, sometimes they just say things like that are just mm -hmm. um that that's that's a parting thought. Um poop dreams, blowout. There's so many um blow up there's so many good nonfiction films too um that my work supports that i'm very proud of and a lot of the filmmakers i know and i hope more people see their work and a lot of it is available right now um so yeah there's a beautiful archive film that was released on netflix recently called crip camp that we supported um that's really good sorry what was it called again crip camp it's about right. um uh it's like the film one of the filmmakers is disabled and was a member of this camp but it was like uh, a camp for children with disabilities um, way like decades ago. And so it has this beautiful archive footage and a lot of them went on to be leaders of the like disability rights movement. Um, and so it's a beautiful nostalgic film. It has like this incredibly like old, like black and white footage that they like re resurfaced and like brought to life again, you know? It's, um, it's some amazing filmmaking. And like, that's another thing that like, hopefully we see more of in the future filmmakers with disabilities. Um, finally like being able to tell their own stories you know so that's exciting chris yeah. do you have any final thoughts um i think just you know like everything else uh for students treat your filmmaking career seriously treat it like it's actually a degree that you're working towards and that means you have to study and in this case studying means watching lots of films so that good for you that's it thanks once again to chris and daniel for joining me on the podcast today i hope you enjoyed it and you listen to more